you know, the whole focus of midlife mastery is to find ways to do midlife well as we hit our 50s and our, and our 60s. And we're kind of in that space maybe between uh, kids growing up and no longer perhaps chasing the career, but we're not yet ready for retirement or maybe we have retired. I don't know. But there just seems to be this space in, in between. And it is such a, a great space. It's a rich space. It, it's a time in life where we, well, there's an old expression, if only youth knew, if only age could. And that, that expression just kind of rings in my head all the time. And I find midlife to be kind of that sweet spot between, right? We've got both the wisdom of experience and yet are still in a position where, where we can. And so we're looking for ways to do that well. And a big part of that is, is creating change in our lives. And today's guest is Adrian Schubin. And a little over two years ago, she began transforming her life. And you can find out a little bit more about it. She is the author of the Change Your Midlife blog. But she started going alcohol-free for 30 days. And then that sort of evolved into staying alcohol-free. And then switching to a plant-based diet, getting rid of clutter, losing weight and becoming debt free. Now, each one of those is a pretty big goal in and of itself. And that she and her husband were able to do that in a really short period of time. I believe they got the bulk of that done within a year. Well, you'll be hearing about her journey, how the small steps led to big changes, how her friends and family were supportive of those changes, and maybe some of the ways that they weren't so supportive of those changes as well as her tips for you for continuously evolving and creating positive change in midlife. And so this episode, Creating Audacious Change in Midlife with Adrian Shubin, uh, I'm just going to stop talking so you can start listening to it. And so if you're ready to play bigger, do better in our lives, well, let's get started. Adrian, welcome to Midlife Mastery and really, really excited to have you on today because you have been on a, a bit of a journey and over the past couple of years really transformed your life. In fact, that you, you'd mentioned in a recent post on Instagram that that included becoming debt-free, switching over to a plant-based lifestyle, um, going more minimalist, getting rid of clutter, and also giving up alcohol. So, oh, and along the way, you actually lost a significant amount of weight. And yeah. so- you know, you managed to do in a, a fairly short period of time, multiple things that a lot of people just try to do individually, like lose weight or give up alcohol or what, what, you know, get the finances in order. Take us back. So about two years ago, what kicked all that off? Well, first of all, thank you, Brock, for having me. I'm excited to be on your podcast. So in January, 2020, my husband and I went with about 14 other friends to Tahiti on a wonderful trip, a uh, trip of a lifetime. And while I was there, I didn't know it until I got home, but I had gotten dengue fever, which is from mosquitoes. And um, this was on the heels of, of COVID coming. And you know, at that point in January, 2020, none of us really knew what was going to happen. And uh, when I got home, it was probably 36 hours later, I, I was at the point where I could barely get out of bed. You know, I knew something was really wrong and, uh, you know, high fever and terrible body aches and the whole everything. And so I was in bed for about 11 days and, you know, I, I was a, a daily drinker. I live in wine country. I live in Sonoma Valley. I've worked at wineries. I used to blog about wineries and I know a lot of winemakers and it's just part of, was part of my lifestyle. And uh, I wanted to do a dry January, but then this trip came along, so it didn't happen. So, you know, 
quitting was, was in the back of my mind or sometimes in the front of my mind. So when I got sick uh, and I got better after about 11 days, I came out of it and I thought, you know what, I'm just, let's just, my husband didn't have anything to drink. I said, let's just turn this into a dry January, even though it's the 17th of, you know, it was the 17th is when I got sick. And then the pandemic was really, you know, it was happening and we were getting close to lockdowns. And I thought I've got dengue in me, it stays in you. Like you're stuck with it, but it, I, don't, I don't have any problems now, but it does stay in your system. I said, I don't know how that would interact with whatever's coming. So I want to be as healthy as possible. So we did the 30 days and I felt so much better. Just, it really wasn't even that hard. I mean, there were moments of stress when I, I almost caved in and had a vodka soda. I just wanted to take the edge off. And my husband's like, no, come on, we have an agreement. <laughs> so we stuck with it. And then 30 days turned into 60 days and 60 turned into 90. And then, then it was kind of like, well, we're just going to quit until the pandemic's over. Because we knew rattling around in the house all day with nothing to do, we would, we would, our drinking would go up, you know, and I knew that before it was out in, in the media that that was going on. I just knew and instinctively that's what I would be doing. And so we kept with it. And I noticed, you know, something I'd always wanted to work on was my weight. So I, I started really trying, I started intermittent fasting, which I still do. We eat between noon or one and about six or seven every day. And then um, started exercising more. And then I joined Noom eventually. I had lost, I was able to lose some weight, just not drinking and doing intermittent fasting. And then I joined Noom and that really was just that, that completely clicked for me. It's a, I don't know if you know what Noom is exactly, but it's a, takes a psychological process or whatever you want to call it towards weight loss. So it's behavioral psychology behind why we do the things that we do and behave the way we do around food. And so that from that point on, I was just well on my way. And, you know, you also count calories. So I learned a lot that way. And, uh, and then I, I just kind of kept changing. (laughs) I just realized that I wasn't stuck, that I, I had this uh, ability that I didn't know I had. And it's like a muscle and you start working it. It doesn't have to be just in one area. You know, you can start attacking other things, you know, like, you know, I can be brave and bold and I can get rid of my grandma's China or whatever, you know, like I, I can, I can really be audacious. I can, I can, even though most of my friends drink, I can quit or most of my friends eat meat and cheese, but I don't have to, it's just, you know, it's confidence. It's really not a muscle. It's confidence, but I kind of like to think of it as a muscle. What was surprising to you about, and a couple of things I want to touch on. One is that kind of realizing you had that ability to change and how that flowed through your life. But before we get there, really curious. So what was surprising to you about giving up alcohol? I didn't know that alcohol was causing anxiety. I didn't even know I had anxiety. I thought that was just, I thought it was my personality. And, and also having this dim negative view of the world and, and of just, it's like veil was lifted kind of thing. And so I became a lot more hopeful. I mean, here we are in a pandemic, we have no idea 
what's coming down the pike and to have like be so positive and hopeful and you know it's just kind of like what is going on here but um clear-minded and more relaxed and you know not right away but but soon after quitting my sleep really improved you know there was just a lot of a lot of positive emotional and mental you know waking up feeling like you want you want to just attack this day rather than trudging through it and and you know just having so much excitement about life again and it was just a really a new a new feeling i had quit drinking before but it was really with this like i just want to get through this dry january thing you know i'm going to white knuckle it until i get to the end this was different this was like you know i want to see i i met this this perfect storm of being too scared to drink because of health reasons but also taking away what i was afraid of the most which was losing my social life. I wasn't going to have a social life for a while because of COVID. So, you know, why not just play with this and see what happens? Just keep going and see what, what reveals itself and if it's right for me or not. So when you say right for you, what kind of identity issues did you face, if any, in, in giving up the alcohol? Because you had mentioned, I mean, this is kind of a central part of your life, right? You've mm-hmm. written about wine, live in wine country mm-hmm. and all that. So that that goes deeper than just for the average person who maybe has a glass of wine with dinner. You know, that was much more right. life, lifestyle. And so what did you find there in, in, in terms of just, I don't know, did it affect you? Did that force you to shift how you thought about yourself? Or... Yeah, you know, it's it was a really it was such a big part of my identity that I had done some blog stuff at a winery, really beautiful winery down the road, and a professional photographer came and took these photos of me in a vineyard with a glass of cabernet, and then I had another photo um, of me sitting on a picnic table with a bottle of wine under a big oak tree, and I actually had those blown up, and I didn't. It was kind of funny because when I ordered them, I didn't realize how huge they were. I thought they eleven by fourteen. I don't know what I was thinking, and they're like these giant things. And so they were in our living room. And after a few months went by of not drinking, I was like, you know, I just don't want to look at that anymore. Just really don't. This is not me. And then just you know, our wine paraphernalia, and our we have a nice wine refrigerator that we still have. We still have wine in the house for guests. You know, we aren't. We aren't tempted by it or anything, but I looked at it. I look at it more now as just, you know, it's kind of like old me, new me. And I really just didn't want to be that person anymore. So those went bye-bye and that was part of my huge declutter I did a year ago. So it's been difficult socially, but I, I, you know, I don't know how to separate difficult because I don't drink and difficult because of the pandemic. Like, you know, it's just, it. I don't see people generally that much anyway, except for, you know, going out for walks. I don't do anything with anybody indoors or, you know, it's all just outdoor gatherings. And, and we travel, like I mentioned, I, we travel a lot in our RV. And so that's plays a part too, but I still know, I know, I know I'm, it's weird for my friends. I used to, I used to drink with to hang out with me. So, and your husband's now, is he just a really good sport? Was he also kind of on the verge of just wanting to give up alcohol as well? And it just kind of came together. Yeah, he was, he was totally on board. That's one thing I'm so grateful for and feel so um, lucky and fortunate 
that I have, you know, my number one person want has wanted to do all of this stuff with me. And he's always been a, like a minimalist. He's always wanted to be one. So he, he has no problem getting rid of stuff. He's always on board with that. You know, he's, he likes the plant-based as much as I do and not, and not drinking. I mean, we say we're, he's retired. And, and I was like a stay-at-home stepmom slash writer blogger. And I helped raise three kids. And when he retired a few years ago, you know, we're on a fixed income. So we were spending a lot, you know, here in wine country, it's no, not a big deal to go out and spend a hundred dollars on a bottle of wine in a restaurant. That's like Tuesday. So it's, it's really helped us a lot financially and uh, to not have, have that habit. One of the things I've noticed about not drinking is I don't think we have really good language around it, really good semantics around not drinking. All the language seems to either sound like, you know, you're an alcoholic and now you've switched, mm-hmm. you, you know, like the, the word sober just just doesn't resonate with me. I, it's accurate to say, you know, I don't drink, I'm sober, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. It just conjures up so many images that may not mesh with the reality. And, and I don't know. I just, one of the things I've noticed, and I don't know if you found this or even thought about it, just, we don't really seem to just have good words or or ways of describing not drinking. Right. Um, And that almost feels like a barrier perhaps to those who want to give it up because it, it becomes this huge thing versus just a small thing. And anyway, just kind of a side observation, you you know, I, it just, I, I recently stopped drinking as well. And notice many of the things that you've, you've mentioned, mm-hmm. but a, a, anyway, I say j- just kind of a side thought there that it, 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 we just don't seem to have a good way to discuss it really. Mm-hmm. Um, no, like alcohol free is what I, I, I went to in the beginning because mm-hmm. I didn't like that word sober. I just thought it carries so many other assumptions with it. And, and, and then, and then I started thinking, well, if I'm saying I'm alcohol free, does that mean I'm doing other things? Like I don't drink alcohol, but you know, I'm, <laughs> whatever, doing <laughs> cannabis or something else. I mean, right. it, it, it's like, but then so sober really is the appropriate word because I don't do anything to check out. I don't do except maybe coffee. I mean, that's about it, but I mean, you're right. And, and that there isn't really um, a term to describe, to describe that, but I think the further along I've gotten in this, I'm okay with, with sober because to me, it just means so much more than I used to drink. And now I don't, it just means that like, I am so clear in my, in ever in a lot of things. I mean, not every single thing, but I'm, I'm clear thinking I'm, um, I'm clear in what I want out of my life. I'm clearer in my relationship with myself. Like that, that feels very, you know, the haze and on that is gone. And I have a lot more trust. I trust myself now, whereas before, not so much. So I think just dealing with problems, you know, that's also you're sober. If you just let yourself experience the discomfort of dealing with an emo- about a hard emotion or a problem, whereas I didn't do that before, I would, you know, just go drink wine and it would go away. <laughs> and then it would come right back at three in the morning. <laughs> There aren't really terms that convey 
positivity around it, mm-hmm. at least, you know, and sober just is a weighty, weighty word yeah. and ma- makes you think of being super serious, you know, sober is a judge, you know, old expression. Mm-hmm. And, and there's so many assumptions that people make depending on the terms you use. So for example, you mentioned being plant-based. I, I've been vegetarian for years and years, but I never described myself as vegetarian because people would come up with all kinds of weird thoughts about what that meant. It was just mm-hmm. so much easier to say, well, I don't eat meat. And people got their heads wrapped around that without bringing all the baggage with it <laughs> that right. just came from a, a simple word. Actually, speaking of, let's talk about it. So, so, cause not only did you go alcohol free, but you also went meat free and mm-hmm. that's another huge change. What, what inspired that? And what was your experience with that? I mean, that's a big change to diet. Yeah. It's um, when I started doing Noom, one thing I learned about was calorie density in foods. So you take a grape and you take a raisin and one little raisin's going to have, you know, it's like the grape, but you, you're, the grape's going to fill you up more. So eat 10 raisins, it's like big deal, but 10 grapes, you know, that's, it's not going to fill you up, but it's a decent amount of food. And I started exploring that more. And I just naturally, you know, when I would fill in what I ate for the day on Noom, I would notice that like, if I just lean towards fruits and vegetables and, you know, steer clear of, of too much meat or too much dairy, I, I can, you know, I can stay on track with what I'm trying to do here. And so we started eating a lot more fruit and a lot more vegetables. And, and then my husband and I were in our RV, on our RV trip. And he said, you know, I ate so much red meat and he, he really did, did. I did too, but he really, he loved, he still loves salami, loves salami. And, and we were eating steaks a lot and burgers. And he said, you know, I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm eating too much of that. Let's for 30 days, let's just not eat meat, red meat, four-legged. He said, no four-legged animals. And that actually comes from atomic habits, which he and I both read last year. And there was a section in there where James Clear is trying to give an example of, of taking steps towards a goal. So he used an example of you want to go from being a carnivore to a vegan, do 30 days, no four-legged. Then the next 30 days you do no, no four-legged, no two-legged. So no birds and then fish and so on until you get there. And he, he read that and he's like, oh, we should try that. And like, we're not going to be vegan. What are you talking about? <laughs> and so we gave up the red meat and neither one of us missed it. We started feeling better. And, but we were both kind of sick of chicken by that point. And our, my stepdaughter who lives in Portland, she's been a vegan for a little over four years and she loves it. And so we just decided to try it, you know, and what I want to say about that is I always want to tell people this, that when you think, let's say you sit down one day and you're like, Hmm maybe I want to become vegan. Your brain likes to do this thing that, that says, you know, you can't be vegan because you love cheese too much and you can't be vegan because then you'll never, ever have bacon again. And you can't go vegan because what will your friends say? I mean, there just gives you like a hundred reasons why you can't do something. And you also, your brain, at least this is my brain. I can't get in someone else's brain, but I also have these feelings of like, if I do it, if I start tomorrow, I have to do it for the rest of my life. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just, it's kind of a mystery why our brains think that. So what I always say is I love the word try. Just try, try it on and see if it works in your life. See, you know, try it on and observe your, your life, 
with this thing going on. So you might really like how clean your kitchen is because you don't have grease everywhere and you don't have to like put a hazmat suit on to cook chicken. And, or you might really like how much food you can eat and not gain weight or how, um, you know, all the nutrients you're getting or whatever it is, but it can just be, just do something for 30 days and see if you like it. I mean, I only talk about the things I've done for 30 days that have stuck. There are a lot of things I've done for 30 days that didn't. So, you know, you just, I was just like to try things on and, and see if, if it enhances my life or not. Well, you know, it, it's really interesting that there, Adrian, that these huge sweeping changes you've made came out of short-term experiments. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we, yep. you know, cause, cause I listed out kind of all that you'd done over the past mm-hmm. couple of years and it's pretty massive life overhaul, but so it's really interesting thinking you didn't start off going, I'm going to overhaul my whole life. You went, well, well, Mm-mm. let's try this for 30 days. Yep. It's my number 30. <laughs> it's a lot of people's number. You know, I mean, it's, I always think when I'm about to approach something, I think, I think about how people have endured so much more in life and, and for me to give up let's just say caffeine. I don't plan on giving up caffeine, but as an example, you know, I know I'll have a week's worth of terrible headaches and it'll be hard and I'll miss that smell. And I, you know, I, I miss the the routine and the, the, of having coffee with my husband every morning, whatever, all those things. But it, you know, I can do it for 30 days. If I had to, I can do it for 30 days. And you think of what all the people people who have overcome so much more than giving up coffee for 30 days. You know, I always try to put it in relationship to something truly difficult. And then it's like, I can do that. I could, I could do it. It, I wouldn't love not having coffee, but I could do it. I wouldn't, you know, it's like with alcohol, you know, I, I risk social life and, and having, you know, rip roaring, just good old fun time, you know, and I do kind of miss that sometimes, but I'm having new experiences now. And it's not that I don't have fun. I just don't have that kind of fun, you know, or you just no inhibitions kind of thing. Like I, my inhibitions are pretty, you know, they're, they're in place. <laughs> they're alive and well. Um, I think just knowing that you don't have to do all these things either. You just tell yourself, I'm just going to do it for 30 days. And then if I hate it and it doesn't work in my life, then Maybe it's not for me, or maybe it's not for me right now. That's because nice just because you do a dry January with the intention of being sober for your life, you know, that doesn't, you know, I, I quit, I did two or three dry Januaries. I quit drinking for two and a half months once because I had atrial fibrillation and my doctor told me that my heart was inflamed and that I needed three months of not drinking to make it calm down. Now, if that wasn't a wake up call, you know, and it wasn't, that was when I was like 44, I went, I just white knuckled it and then went right back. But it's okay that I, I tried before and it didn't work. It's just, it wasn't, it wasn't the right time for me. And, you know, the things that I've tried that didn't take, that doesn't mean that I can't go back and try them again. And I'm, you know, I'm constantly changing my, my view on myself and my environment and everything. It's just, that's what I like about being so clear headed and not drinking is that, you know, I am, I believe that I am always evolving. 
Well, what's been your, your, your friends' reactions to this? Cause, cause you know, as we mentioned, when, when we tell people we give up alcohol, there's a lot of baggage around that. And when you tell people you, you give up meat, people just don't know how to react, but you know, they're trying mm-hmm. to somehow relate one way or the other to the conversation and they just don't know how. So for your, your friends, I mean, both of these are, are big, big lifestyle changes. What kind of, I assume they're all on board now, but what was kind of some of the initial responses? Well, one of my favorite initial responses was a friend of mine invited me and Bill over. This is probably, this is right before lockdown. So it was new. And she invited us over for dinner and she had gone out of her way to buy some non-alcoholic hard alcohol in these very pretty bottles. And I know it was very expensive and it kind of just tasted like water with some herbs in it, but I didn't tell her that. <laughs> and she got a cook, a mocktail book, a very elegant one. And all of these ingredients, I mean, she really went to town and we made probably three or four different beautiful mocktails. And I just thought, wow, what that, it was just so touching. And I mean, to show her support like that. And, and that was really, that was really neat. So I haven't had too many unpleasant experiences, but um, not in person, but, but in over text, a few, like one person tried to get me to make an exception and, and drink with her and then texted me a photo of the cocktail she was drinking at that moment. And when I said, you know, I'm really, I'm going to do this. And we had been in the middle of making plans to go to dinner. And when I said no to her trying to get me to drink again, she dropped, just dropped the conversation cold. So it was like, I'm not going to go to dinner with you if you're not going to drink basically is what she was saying without coming out and saying it. And then a couple other people have said, give me a call when, um, when you're drinking again, you know? And I kind of get that as far as like dry, dry January mentality of, you know, you just get through those 31 days and then you're right back to it. So, you know, that one, those don't hurt as much. The other one with the, you know, the texting and the dropping the conversation that was kind of hurtful, but, but yeah, my husband and I were joking because we became vegans on our um, RV trip. And then we got home, we were talking about like, we're going to get together with our friends and like, I don't know, honey, (laughs) like we already had this, like, we don't drink and all you guys do. And now, you know, at least we had food that we could, you know, sit at a table and enjoy food together. And we'd drink our sparkling water and it would be no big deal. But now I got to add in, oh, also we're vegan. And a lot of people don't know even what that means. I mean, I've had people say, do you eat eggs? you know, do you still eat cheese? And so it's kind of, it, they don't know what to do. They, and I understand that. I, I really do understand that. And I also understand the not being, wanting to be around when you drink, not wanting to be around people who don't drink or, or having not really not wanting to be around them, but having um, anxiety about it and awkwardness because I've been there as a drinker. I've been on the other end of that. Well, how has all of this kind of changed your own perception of yourself? I went from being so full of shame, just like overwhelming and kind of desperate and not knowing what to do about my weight and about feeling crappy all the time and, and money and everything else that was going on to just having a lot of confidence, not in the like 
pompous, like I'm, I'm so great or I'm nothing like that. It's more of just like knowing myself and confidence um, that I can do things that previously would have been very, very difficult for me to do. So confidence, my ability and in my choices. And, uh, and I have a lot more excitement about my future than I used to. Oh, talk talk about that. Oh, yeah, talk about that a little bit. You know, I don't know if you've seen it going around uh, Instagram, but people are posting photos from January 2020. And it says, this is the last photo of me before, you know, and when we didn't know what was coming, it says. And so there's a photo of me with Bill, my husband, and we're on a boat in Tahiti. And, and it was probably the first week of January. And just thinking about everything that's happened, good. And I mean, that's not just good stuff. I mean, you know, we're living in a pandemic. There's been some awful things, but if I kind of pivot and just think about what I was able to accomplish since, you know, it's just, to me, it's just mind blowing. So I get really excited about the future of, you know, like what's, what's next. And I, I don't know the answer to that. And, you know, I didn't plan to do any of this. <laughs> I really didn't, you know, I, I often think if I hadn't gotten dengue, I, I don't think this would have happened. I think I would have just kept on. Cause when I got home from the airport from Tahiti, I mean, I drank, I got home in the morning and I was drinking that night. So it wasn't until I got sick that I quit. So it's just, it's a lot more hopefulness, no shame in my game. And I want to, I want to tell other people, I want other people who are like me to know and doesn't have to be about drinking. It doesn't have to be about vegan. None of that. I, I just like you just said about like people telling you what they ate. Like you don't care. Like I don't. I don't care what you eat. I don't. It's whatever makes you happy. If you want to know about it, and I, I'm happy to talk about it. But you know, we whatever your thing is that you want to change. You know, I I feel like I I'm kind of getting finding my way of what, what works to facilitate change, to, to ignite it and to build that change muscle so that you can work on other areas of your life. Yeah. So it sounds like there was this real kind of, kind of cascade. You mentioned you experimented with one thing that kind of work experiment mm-hmm. with, with others and, and just kind of kept expanding uh, along there. What, what are you enjoying most about midlife now? You know, midlife comes with, we've been talking about things that come with stigma and, and kind of baggage. Yeah. Midlife mm-hmm. is definitely one of those things. So what is it that you really enjoy and appreciate about midlife? That, you know, I don't, I don't really care so much what people think. I know that's a common, it's a common midlife thing. I mean, I care to an extent, but I don't care like I used to. And that what's happened, I think, and I, I'm sure I'm, it's happened to a lot of people in their fifties is I finally got like, I got the memo that, you know, I'm not going to live forever. And that, you know, mortality is a real thing. And how many really great years do I have? I don't know. What am I going to do with them? And now, you know, there it's so has so much value to me. And I, I think that that's just how we're built as humans, that we do figure that out along the way. But I don't want to live under a pile of clutter. I don't want to be, an, you know, I used to be a terrible online shopper. I mean, it was out of control. And now 
And I just don't, I really, I have to really want something or it has to have a very clear need in my life for me to buy it. So just all those things, just being super picky about relationships, about purchases, about what I put in my mouth, what I read, who I interact with, and, you know, just honoring me, myself, now that I know myself so much better that I don't, you know, I, you can't get time back. So I'm not going to spend it foolishly anymore. I spent a lot of years spending it foolishly. That, that sense of mortality is definitely very real. I remember my my dad telling me at one point that he had kind of calculated out the number of times that he would see me again, you oh. know, just based on, you know, how often we visit and number of years realistically mm-hmm. left. And yeah, it's just Man, that's a hard thought <laughs> and because yeah, it, was, it, it wasn't that big of a number. <laughs> and you hit this point where you start going, well, how much more time do I have left to do mm-hmm. X, Y, Z, what, what, whatever it is. And there, that there, there is kind of a sense of urgency or at least some weight to it. And so mm-hmm. I, I, can, I like how your point, just being very conscious about kind of <laughs> what are you doing with that time? Right. Um, not, not in a panicked way, but just, no. Hey, it's, it, it's finite. Let's get the most out of it that we can and, and keep the focus mm-hmm. where, where it needs to be. Well, what, what advice do you have for others who are also kind of looking at their life going, wow, you know, I try to make change. I wish I could make a change. I want to make a change. I mean, you already gave a little bit of advice around, Hey, do a 30 day experiment, but kind of what other advice would you have for folks? Just figure out what it is. And for a long time, I had this, this like feeling and it was in my gut and it would kind of come out from, come from out of nowhere. And it was just sort of this, it was just, I can't, I have such a hard time articulating it, but just this bad gut feeling and it wouldn't last very long. And I would even try to conjure it up a little bit so I could kind of get the feeling of like, what is this? And it wasn't really related to anything. And it wouldn't happen at a certain time or in a, after a certain experience or anything. It was just kind of out of nowhere. And it might sound kind of woo-woo, but I, I, I think it was just this inner voice telling me like, hey, what are you doing? Like straighten your life out. It's time. You know, you don't, you're not going to live to be a thousand years old. You know, I mean, like now's the time. Yeah, and since I, I've made these changes, I don't have that. But I think listening to whatever you're telling yourself that you need, like, hey, maybe you're eating a little too much fast food and you need to knock that off. Or, you know, maybe it's time to give up the cigarettes or you know, whatever it is, just identify that. And and I didn't tackle everything at once. It was it was the alcohol first. And, you know, if I had to go back and and pick the one that was the most important, it was that one. And so I'm glad I did it first. I learned the most there. And so I would say, I mean, maybe some people would say start with something easy, but I think it's, it's whatever is causing you the most pain and the, the most number of burdens, that's the one you need to try try and work on just try it for 30 days and you know it's someone who has this very serious alcohol problem cannot just quit and you know they need to be they need professional detox kind of stuff and I don't know I don't know about that but I think for most things you know giving up fast food or giving up red meat you're you're going to be fine 
And if after 30 days you, you hate your life without those things, then you know, it's time to reevaluate. But add, and then don't let, don't let all those other people get you off track. It's hard. Other people will have opinions about what you're doing. And just, you know, suffer through it. <laughs> and remember that you're not doing that. What you're doing is not for them. It's for you. And you're, you're the most important when it comes to this. And so just try to understand where they're coming from. And, and just move on and just try to, I always say, you know, it's like when, you know, when you're in school and you're taking a test and you put your head down and you just concentrate on your test and, and it's the same kind of thing. I just, you know, I just kind of put my head down and I just focus on what's in front of me. What's, what are, what are the tasks I need to do in order to get where I want to be and block out the noise. With that thought, where can people find more, more about you? So I'm on Instagram at Adrian Shubin, S-H-U-B-I-N, Adrian underscore Shubin. And then I have a blog and the link is there. It's called The Rich Life After 50, 50. And so I've, I started the blog last spring and then I took a break while we were traveling and now I'm back to it. So I'm excited. I have lots of things in mind to write about in the new year. But yeah, I'm, I'm most active on, I do have a Facebook page, but I, I don't really go there very much. So mostly Instagram and my blog. All right. Well, in speaking of the new year, as we wrap up, what are you most excited about, you know, what, what you see on the horizon for yourself in this upcoming year? You know, I have funny things on my list this year. Um, like I want to do the splits. <laughs> so how weird is that? There's just like all these little things that I always wanted to do when I was a kid. And I didn't, and you're a teenager and I didn't do them. I'm taking French lessons and I'm, I'm trying really hard to concentrate on that and give, give some of my time to that every day. And then I want, I want to write more on my blog and develop that more and really just give it more, try to be like, I tell other people to be audacious. I want to be audacious. I want to take risks and put myself out there and be vulnerable and, and, see what I can make of it and see what, what I don't need to have a ton of followers. I don't need to, you know, I'm not going to pay to have things advertised. And I just want, I just wanted to get it out there to, even if it's to five people just to listen and, and see if they can take any little nugget away that it helps them improve their lives. You know, that would just thrill me. Excellent. And I know you've already, you know, from the recently kind of kind of chronicled everything that we've been talking about. So a great place for people if they want to go a little mm -hmm. deeper, get some more insight, maybe on some of the things we didn't touch on. And so also be excited to to see where this goes for you in the new year. Thank you. Well, this has been a lot of uh, fun.